just by way of reminder, the Apostle Paul at this time, he's on death row. And this is the last written words that we have from the Apostle Paul. And it's this letter that he has sent to a young pastor um, who was pastoring the church of Ephesus. And you remember the two of them had spent a lot of time together over the years. In fact, the uh, Apostle Paul took Timothy on his second missionary journey. They traveled together. They planted churches together. They did a ton of ministry together. The Apostle Paul really viewed Timothy as a son in the faith. Um, But not just that, um, as Timothy is now serving the Lord and Paul is away, Paul is continuing his discipleship um, in this young man's life. He's pouring into him. And again, um, I think we should take special note. These are the, 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 the apostles' last words. And so to really tune in, and this is not just for pastors, for leaders, for those involved in full-time ministry. We're going to see again this morning that every word we read is applicable for us. Every bit of God's word, we need it. Didn't Jesus say that? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so we pick up, we left off right at verse 13, no, verse 12. And so I'm going to get a running start and move back to verse 10. And here's what God's word says. The Apostle Paul writes, But you, Timothy, have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long suffering. Love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And so um, the Apostle Paul um, tells Timothy here um, in this section, he reminds him of Paul's testimony, of Paul's life. Timothy, you walked with me. You carefully followed me. You saw all of these things in my life. In other words, I've left you a witness I've left you a pattern, if you will, to follow. And we know um, Timothy did follow in that pattern. He was a faithful, sturdy, durable shepherd that continued to minister in Ephesus and care for the flock. And he went through difficulties. He went through suffering as well. But he hung in there and continued to minister to the flock that was entrusted to his care. And so Paul says, listen, you've followed me in all of these things. You've seen these things happen to me. You saw these things happen to me uh, when I came to your city. And I love what he says there, that Paul endured and Jesus delivered. Isn't that good to be reminded of? That's what the Lord is asking of you and me today. Hang in there. Continue to trust him. Continue to look to the Lord, to, to hupomone, to bear up under whatever it is the Lord has allowed in your life. And what will he do? He will give you what you need to be delivered in that situation. You hang in there, don't throw in the towel, don't quit. And then he goes on to say, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And by the way, that is a promise, isn't it? Everyone who chooses to live a holy life, a life set apart for the Lord, 
Um, None of us are exempt. We will experience in some way, shape, or form, we will be harassed, hassled, maybe even physically harmed for our following of the Lord Jesus Christ, being faithful to him. Listen, hard times and persecution, those are what teach us to live faithfully. When we go through those things, when we continue to endure, we see the Lord come through in special and beautiful ways, just like he did in Paul's life. He does it in our lives as well. And so do you, do you desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus this morning? Persecution will come. Paul wants us to make sure there's no surprises When those things happen, right, Peter said, if you're being persecuted for being a knucklehead, you deserve it. You're being a goofball, you're getting persecuted, you got what's coming to you. But if you are living godly in Christ Jesus, that's a good thing as you endure. That Because why? Because the Lord works through your life in a special way, and your testimony as you respond in a Christ-like way touches hearts and lives of people around you and around me as well. And so Paul is preparing us for the fact that as Christians, we will suffer persecution just like our Lord Jesus. Jesus said, if it happened to me, it's going to happen to you. And Not a lot of amens, that's okay. Because why? Listen, if, if you and I are walking consistently with Jesus, we will be consistently in opposition to this world, to this fallen world. This fallen world with all of its values, all of its morals, all of its desires, all of its purposes, all of its lusts, we will be going against the grain, against the the flow, if you will, if we're walking with Jesus. And we will be opposed by the world. And not only that, listen, if you and I are consistently following Jesus and walking with him, we will be opposed by this world, by the people of this world. Correct? Correct? It happens. It's going to happen because we are in the world, but not of the world. Jesus said that, John chapter 17, as he prayed to the Father. We are ambassadors of the Lord's kingdom, correct? We are, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You are the salt of the earth. What does salt do? Sounded right. I heard like machine gun fire. Yeah. Salt seasons, right? It brings flavor. Our lives should bring flavor wherever we go. It creates thirst, correct? Does salt bring thirst? You eat a big tub of popcorn at the movie theater, what happens? You got to get an $8 Coke, right, to wash it down. It creates thirst, correct? It preserves. It's used as a preservative. That's right. Man, we are preserving this rotten world right now. Can you imagine what happens when the church is removed? The influence of the Holy Spirit through the church at the rapture? What planet Earth's going to look like? It's going to be gnarly, man. But it also does something else. Salt heals too, right? You guys ever get like a cut in your mouth and gargle with? Salt water, right? It brings a healing element to our lives should be bringing healing to others, soothing to others as we're walking with Jesus, being his followers. And sometimes we get kickback for that because salt stings, doesn't it? It stings. And so Paul says, listen, up front, 
all you who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And so if no one's persecuting, persecuting you, why not this morning? Why not? Maybe we're not following Jesus the way we should. Yeah, amen. And so we can change that today, can't we? Again, not being a knucklehead, not like trying to offend people, but just living full on for Jesus being full of the Holy Spirit. Because look at the contrast, but he says, evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So remember our context, by the way. Chapter 3, verse 1, the chapter begins with uh, the last days, what the last days will be marked by. Paul said to Timothy that in the last days, perilous times will come. I believe we are in extra innings right now. We are in overtime. The Lord is going to show up, like he said, any moment. Correct? His return is imminent for his church, for his bride, to get us out of here before the tribulation. And so, he said, all of these things will be happening. We read verses 1 through 9 uh, a couple weeks ago, learn those things. We see characteristics of those people that are in darkness that are involved in things they shouldn't be involved in. And they will happen with more intensity and more frequency. And now he picks back up on the last days. What's going to happen? Well, evil men, wicked people, and what's an imposter? A fake, a phony. We used to call them posers. You know what I'm talking about? They pose as one thing, but they're really not. You know what I'm saying? And by the way, he's not necessarily speaking of those evil men and imposters in the world. You know where he's talking about? In the church. It's heavy. And he says they're evil men and imposters. So if you have a King James, King Jimmy Bible, it says seducers. A person who entices someone to believe or do wrong or error. In fact, Jesus, uh, the Apostle Paul, you remember with me, Acts chapter 20. If you're taking notes, you can check it out later. The Apostle Paul had a pastor's conference, if you will. And he was sharing with them. He says, he goes, you guys remember, I was with you day and night for three and a half years, and I warned everyone with tears that there would be wolves that would come from outside, coming into the flock, not sparing the flock, and that there would be also men that would rise up from within the church, speaking perverse things, twisted things. They twist the scriptures and draw away disciples after themselves. That is a sure mark of an imposter or an evil man that twists the scriptures and has people follow them rather than you follow Jesus Christ. Are you with me? Jesus put it this way. If you're taking notes, Matthew chapter 7, 
Did Jesus talk about evil men and imposters? Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 7, verse 15. Jesus said, Beware of false prophets. What does a prophet do, by the way? Yeah, a prophet speaks on behalf of God. A false prophet falsely speaks on behalf of God. Are you with me? If you see, if you hear beware, what does that mean? If you see a beware sign of Rottweiler on someone's door, do you go stick your finger through and meow? Do you do that? Hopefully nobody does that. <laughs> Beware. Look out. Beware of false prophets who come to you in what? Sheep's clothing. Who are the sheeps? Us. They look like us. They sound like us. They smell like us. But inwardly, listen, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. So they slip into the church or they go in amongst the church and they look just like us, but inwardly they are ravenous. Every time you see that word ravenous in the New Testament, it's, it's, it's translated extortion or extortioning. Isn't that interesting? So that person, what does it mean extortion? Is that good or bad? That's bad. They're trying to rip you off. They're trying to take something from you. They're trying, they're trying to make the, enrich themselves, if you will, for gain. This is so important, you guys, because sheep eat grass, wolves eat sheep. Biology 101. Ready? One more time. Sheep eat, wolves eat. Okay, we got that? Everybody got that down? So how do we identify them? Well, Jesus tells us, you will know them by their fruits, the fruit of their life. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Anytime you read Jesus say something is cut down and thrown into the fire, is that good or bad? Bad. And he says, therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. By the fruit of their life. So let's come back to 2 Timothy. And Paul says, evil men, imposters, phonies fakes, wolves in sheep's clothing, they will grow worse and worse. They will continue to increase. What will they be doing? Deceiving and being deceived. Jesus said in Mark chapter 7, he said deceit comes from our hearts. It is a heart issue. They are deceiving. They are trying to fool people, trick people, lead people astray is the idea, lead people into error and sin. But notice something else, and being deceived. 
They themselves are fooled. They themselves are in error and in sin. How does one become deceived? Let me tell you, James told us. We don't have to guess. James said, if you're just a hearer of the word and not a doer, you'll be deceived. If we want to protect ourselves from deception, from self-deception, we need to be those that not only hear the word of God, but what? But be doers of the word of God. What does it mean to be a doer? Not real hard. Just think of the word, do. D-O. <laughs> you do what it says, but here's the cool thing. You trust in the power of the Holy Spirit to do what he's calling you to do. You know what I'm talking about? Guys, remember, remember the dude with the withered hand? Remember that? Where's he at? He's at church. He's not at home grumbling and complaining about his condition. He's at church. And Jesus tells him to come out in front of everybody. And what does he say to him? Lift up your hand. Is that not an impossible command? It's impossible. I'm handicapped. I'm crippled. He didn't say that though, did he? What did he do? It's a beautiful picture. He lifted up, it says, he lifted up his hand. He was obedient to what Jesus said. The word of Jesus. He was a doer. He lifted up his hand and it was restored as whole as the other. The minute you and I say, yes, I will do this, Lord, what does he couple with it? He couples his strength and power to do what he's calling us to do. It is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Are you with me? Okay. We want to we be protected from deception, don't we? Want to be safe? Want to be secure? Amen? Well, he goes on to tell Timothy, how do I sort out what is true and what's false? The word of God. Verse 14, but you must continue. Isn't that good? You must continue. Don't quit. Don't throw in the towel. Don't bail out. Again, we live in a culture of quitters. Sadly. It, should be, it, it shouldn't be that way in the church. That's what the world does. You know what I'm saying? We're called to, aren't we called to endure when things get difficult? Correct? Isn't that what the book says? To persevere? And then we get to see the strength of the Lord, His grace in our situation as we hang in there and trust Him. Whether it's a marriage, whether it's ministry, whether it's a friendship, whether it's a church. We endure, and what, is, what happens? We give the Lord our, our obedience. We say, yes, Lord, I'm willing. I'll do what you say. And what does he do? Man, he comes through in awesome ways. Continue. You must continue in what? What does he say? Look at the next part of the verse. You must continue in the things which you have learned. Not only the things you've been taught, but the things that you've experienced in your life. Have you guys experienced the power of God's word in your life? Has he changed you through his word? Have you seen it happen in others as well? Isn't that awesome? That's what he's saying here. Timothy, continue. 
Don't bail out. Don't quit. Don't throw in the towel. Press on. Move forward in those things that you learned. That tells me that Timothy was teachable too, by the way. Are you still teachable? Or have you arrived spiritually? Has anybody here arrived spiritually? Because you can come have the mic if that's you. (laughs) I sure haven't. We want to continue to learn, don't we? To be teachable, to be moldable, to be shapeable, to allow the Word of God to fashion our lives. And so he says, not only that, Timothy, you must continue the things which you've learned and been assured of. Timothy, stick with what you've learned. Stick with what you know to be the truth. Stick with the things that you've watched change your life. Stick with the things that you've watched change other people's lives, and that's been the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me. Amen? Does the Word of God work? It's awesome, isn't it? The seed of God's Word has the DNA to change our lives. And here's the thing, when we, and the context is persecution, difficulty. Listen, brothers and sisters, my precious brothers and sisters, dearly loved ones, we will hit turbulence at some point. There may, some of you may be even going through a season right now where you are having a hard time reconciling God's love with your current situation. You don't understand. Can I encourage you when there's things you and I don't understand to lean on the things we do understand and know from God's word and his character? You keep going back to that. You keep going back to what do I know? What have I been assured of? You stick with that. You go back to the basics. You go back to the fundamentals. Are fundamentals important? They are, aren't they? Anybody play sports? You don't become a good athlete by just sitting around watching YouTube, eating Kit Kats and drinking Red Bulls. You need to do the fundamentals, correct? You need to do the fundamentals how often? Once a year? Over and over and over again till it becomes what? Till it becomes repetitious, becomes second nature. You're just walking in those things. You're just doing those things. Same way spiritually. You keep putting in the time even when you don't want to. Right? When we have a little pity party. We get the poor Mimi's. I'm not going to read my Bible. Can I encourage you? Read your Bible. Let the Lord sort it out in your heart. You know what I'm saying? Press through. Continue on in the things you learn. Get in the Word and just keep reading and allow the Holy Spirit to work in your heart and in your life. Well, I don't understand this thing that I just read. Guess what? I don't understand everything either. Can a pastor say that? I just did. So what do you do? You leave it aside and you keep reading. And you wait for further revelation from the Lord. Right? And you put it in your little file. Do people still use files these days? I don't even know. We got a filing cabinet. You know what a filing cabinet is? Anybody here? And it's filed away for later for further revelation from the Lord. I don't get all tripped up and all weirded out. Lord's not showing me right now. It's, it's cool. I still love him. You know what I'm saying? 
I don't understand everything about Tanya, my radical Christian babe, but I still love her with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. I don't understand how her pancreas functions and the synapses of her brain, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Same way with the Lord. We keep loving the one who rescued us and saved us and has given us life. We go back to the basics, the things we've been assured of, the things that we've learned. And what does the Word of God do? The Word of God transforms us. Correct? Be transformed by the renewing of your... Don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world. Is that a suggestion? No way. But be transformed. The word transformed, guess what it is in the Greek? I'm sure you guys know. Metamorpho. In which we get metamorphosis. Thank you. What is the weird-looking critter that metamorphoses into a beautiful a butterfly? But it starts out as a what? Caterpillar. So to get the caterpillar to fly, do you strap some wings on it and say, fly, little bu- good buddy? You paint them up re- really pretty. Is that what you do? Spray paint them. Get the cool spray. Stick a propeller on them. Come on, you can do it. Think positive, man. You can do this thing. Is that what you do? It's an internal change. Listen, don't miss this. It is an internal change that manifests itself externally. It's not external force. I don't come and tell you, do this, do that. But uh, I'm just sharing the word of God. I'm just sowing the seed of God's word. And we receive that word, keep it with a noble heart, and what begins to happen? Man, our lives change. They get transformed. And you look back and you realize, I'm not the same cat I used to be. I know I'm not what I should be, but praise God, I'm not what I used to be. And it wasn't a 10-step program. It wasn't a, it wasn't a guru. It wasn't, a, it wasn't psychobabble. It wasn't a psychiatrist. It wasn't a psychology. It's Jesus through his word by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's absolutely crucial. The Word of God. That's what, he's, that's what he's honing this down to. The importance, how important, not just to read to get a bunch of this upstairs. Jesus is the fountain of living waters. Constant source of spiritual vitality. What you and I need. He says, come to me and drink. Not just come and take a little sip. See you later. I got my, my little pep talk in my inbox. No, it's spending time with Jesus drinking deeply of his Word. And what begins to happen? You put in the time with Jesus and all of a sudden, man, stuff starts to peel away from your life. The junk. That stuff doesn't have a pull on you any longer. You're more and more in love with Jesus and what he's doing in your life. It's exciting because it's real and it's genuine and there's fruit happening in your life. And I was like, wow, a fruit tree doesn't need to strive and sweat. It just happens naturally as you abide Jesus said, abide in me and my words abiding in you. And what's going to happen? Some sweet fruits coming from your life. Timothy, continue in the things you've been taught. Don't reinvent the wheel. You know how many times people send me letters about stuff like church growth? That's one of them. 
Church, here, you need, to, you need to grow your... We can't grow anymore, can we? We don't have any more room. <laughs> but it's always numerically. Never spiritually. You need to do a demographic study from your neighborhood to find out what people like. Hey, if it's a bald head and a goatee, you're in, and skinny jeans. That, listen, that ain't going to happen here, by the way. I mean, if you've been around here for any amount of time out here, please, people. I love you guys. It's impossible trying to please people. I don't do a song and dance and do the plates. You guys ever seen somebody juggle plates? It's like... I just got another letter, too, recently, a local church. <laughs> we want to help you with your marriage, and it's cool. I'm not down on people trying to help, churches trying to help people. But you know what the title was, or what they were, they were promoting? It said, the ancient teachings of Jesus and psychology. And I'm like, dude, come on. Really? Ancient teachings? His word is living and powerful. Not just ancient. His word's always relevant. I always need to hear from him, to come to him. And psychology, I mean, you guys know, I'm sure I'm stepping on toes and that's totally cool. I was a psychology major in college. And then I got saved. And I realized it's re- what the difference is between Psychology and real Christianity, genuine Christianity. You know what it is? Psychology is man's solutions to man's problems. And real Christianity, genuine Christianity, is God's solutions to man's problems. Big difference. Amen. Look at this next part of that verse. I've never really heard anybody really kind of expound on this. But it's interesting, it says, knowing from whom you have learned them. Knowing from whom the person that you've been taught by. You ever thought about that? Who are you learning from? Listen, there's a few pastors that I learn from, that I listen to, that I trust. Pastor Chuck Smith, who started Calvary Chapel back in the Jesus movement, my pastor, both of them finished well, men of integrity, men of God's word, men that love the flock, left an example of what a sturdy, durable, loving shepherd should be. A couple of the guys I listened to, why? Because I know their lives. I've seen them live it out. And so who are you learning from? I'm learning from you, Pastor. Hallelujah. I want to know your life. Hallelujah. Come on. On Saturday mornings, I walk with my son, Luke. He's crippled. We walk every Saturday morning. You can come join, you can come join me. He gets in his little walker, and we cruise all the aisles at Walmart, ministering to everyone there. You come join us. It'd be awesome. It'd be so rad to have you there. 
And then after we go, check this out, after we go to Go Forth Park, and I put him in the wheelchair, and we cruise around ministering to the people at Go Forth Park, you come join me. We have a team. Because I want to know your life, Pastor. Four o'clock today, I'll be here for prayer. You want to join me? I'm here every Sunday at four for prayer, worship, Bible study, and service. I'll stay as long as you want, because I know some of us can't make appointments to meet during the week, although you would if it was a dentist, wouldn't you? I didn't, that's not a conviction sandwich, sorry. Right, we'll, we'll make time, won't we? Okay. You want to come hang with me? I'm totally down. You can ask my kids, you can ask my wife, people on staff here. It's important. Who are your influencers? Do you know the people that you listen to, the people that are pouring into you spiritually? That's what he's saying here. Isn't that what he's saying to Timothy? Knowing from whom you've learned them. Who did Timothy learn from? Paul and grandma and mommy, right? Didn't we learn that in chapter one? What were their names again? Lois and something. Lois and Eunice. Chapter one, verse five. Paul says, I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. They're the real deal. Timothy, you know. It wasn't just do as I say, not as I do. You saw it. You learned from them. You saw their lives. Because he says in that next verse, from childhood you have known the holy scriptures. Isn't that beautiful? Nurtured, raised in God's word. Listen, kids that are here today, praise God if your parents are investing God's word in your life. Or your grandparents. Praise the Lord. The Bible says, Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. That is our responsibility, moms and dads, to sow the seed of God's word into their hearts, to water the seed, and to walk in those things that we are instructing them in. That's our main responsibility, by the way. Living out what we're communicating. Notice it says concerning the Holy Scriptures, they are able to make you wise for salvation. They give you the understanding about being saved. And how to salvate, where is salvation found? In Christ Jesus. There is no other name under heaven in which a man can be saved. The name of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. He made it real simple. It's a free gift. You come just as you are and receive that free gift. Amen? Let's finish up. Here we go. Because Paul is guarding God's calling on Timothy's life. Stick to the word. Look what it says, verse 16. And 17, we'll finish up here. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete Thoroughly equipped for every good work. Yes. Look at what's the first word of verse 16. 
What's all mean? All what? All Scripture. The entire Bible. Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22-21. All Scripture. Not most. Not some. Not the majority. Not 99.999%. 100%. That's all, correct? All Scripture is literally God-breathed. It comes from God Himself. All of it. The Bible, listen, the Bible does not find its origin and source in man. It is given to us by God. God did use human instruments with all their life experience, personalities, and so forth. And God's word, what he said, came through them to us. And it's glorious. 66 books, 40 different authors, three different languages, three different continents, over 1,600 years, and it all points to Jesus. That's supernatural. That's miraculous. And it all fits. God breathed his word through his servants, human authors. Listen, God doesn't make mistakes. His word is inerrant. It is perfect. Can I encourage you? Don't be a judge of God's word. Well, I believe this, but I don't believe that. If you're doing that, listen, you're in a dangerous place. That's called blasphemy. God's word should judge who? Should judge us. Don't, become, don't be a Pharisee. What do Pharisees do? You guys remember? They add to God's word. The commandments of men. Jesus said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. One of the things they do is add to the Word of God. There are people that, to this day, add to the Word of God. Don't be an editor. Don't be a Sadducee. Remember the Sadducees? How do we remember the Sadducees? It's sad, you see. Now you'll remember it. It's sad, you see. They didn't believe in the what? Resurrection, supernatural. Don't take away from God's Word. Don't monkey with it. Too many people have paid a price with their precious blood that we might have God's word in our hands and in our hearts. Do I have time for a story? I'm not a storyteller, but I got to tell this. I was doing assisted living ministry for years, and we would do both assisted living and the Alzheimer's unit. In in the Alzheimer's unit, there was this old World War II veteran, and he invited me into his room, and he took me in the room, and he starts showing me the pictures from World War II and his awards. And he grabbed me and said, Son, don't you start messing with the Word of God. We paid our life's blood so that you could have the Bible in your hands. How, how... And I was like, whoa, thank you. And then I took a couple steps, and he's like, what are you doing in my room? <laughs> but... But we need to hear that, don't we? Don't mess with the Word. It's profitable. It's helpful. It's advantageous, beneficial, useful. It's to your benefit. You will be blessed. How many of us have experienced the blessing of building our lives upon God's Word? Our lives have been radically changed forever. Build your life on His Word. It's profitable for what? What does it say? For doctrine, 
The Bible teaches us what is right. Doctrine's teaching, instruction. We don't teach man's philosophies, man's wisdom, or man's answer to man's problems. We teach the Word of God. It's profitable for reproof. That's the Bible teaches us what is not right to help us put the brakes on. I don't want to do that. I don't want to go there. That's wrong. Sorry, Lord. For correction, that, that means the Bible teaches us how to get right, to make adjustments, to show us what needs to be fixed and how to do it, how to get it right. And then for instruction in righteousness, the Bible teaches us how to stay right. Isn't that an easy way to remember it? Instruction teaches us what is right. For reproof, what is not right. And then for correction, how to get right. Instruction in righteousness, how to stay right. Everybody got it? Right? You can write that in the Marjorie Bible if you want. It's a little nugget. That the man of God, God's man or God's woman, may be complete. You know what that complete, that word means? Fully mature. Spiritually mature. Listen, there are no shortcuts to become spiritually mature. Let me put it another way. No Christian can become fully mature apart from the Word of God. You can't Google it, get cliff notes. There's no substitute for us to grow, to get out of huggies and to go on to maturity. Are you with me still? I hope we're not paying lip service to this. Because Jesus finished the Sermon on the Mount talking about the wise and foolish builder. Remember what he said? Not really seeker-sensitive ending to his sermon. He said, the wise builder is who? The one who hears my words and does them. I will liken him to a man who builds his house on the rock. The storm came, the winds blew, and all of a sudden, bam, it's hitting the house, but it stayed up. It didn't get wiped out. How many of us want our lives to stay put, to be secure and safe and not wipe out? Our marriages, our families, our ministry, our church. You build your house on hearing his word and doing it. The foolish builder, he heard the word, but didn't do it. And the storm came. Listen, storms will come to every one of our lives. Both houses got hit. Foolish builder, wise builder. Just a matter of time. The foolish builder heard what Jesus said, his word, and didn't do it. And what happened when the storm came? Jesus said, great was the fall of that house. Wipe out. If we want to grow, listen, if we want to grow up spiritually, be healthy spiritually, be complete spiritually, to be secure and stable in our lives spiritually, we have to spend time reading our Bibles and praying and walking in the things that He shows us. There is no substitute, guys. 
I mean, I could say this till I'm blue in the face. I mean, I, some of you are like, man, Pastor, you're like a one-string guitar, bro. Twang, there you go again. Read your Bible and pray. Twang. You're right. Otherwise, you know what happens? Or from this pulpit, if we're not teaching the Word, we'll be a bunch of people in huggies. We won't go on to maturity. And not only that, he says that the man of God or woman of God may be complete, thoroughly what? Thoroughly, what's it say? Did you guys close your Bibles already? <laughs> thoroughly what? Equipped. What does it mean if you're thoroughly equipped? You had everything you need. You mean I got everything I need with just my Bible? That's what it says, doesn't it? Well, I got to get a commentary set. I got to get a PhD, theology degree. I got to have this. No, you don't. Am I reading that correctly? You are thoroughly equipped with God's Word. All Scripture. When's the last time you read Haggai? Who? You're, listen, you're going to meet him in heaven. And you're going to say, yes, I, you're Haggai. We studied your book. And he's going to say, I'll bet you went to Calvary Chapel. <laughs> you're right. That's right. All Scripture. Amen. Thoroughly equipped, fit for the master's use, for every good work, to walk in all those good works the Lord has prepared for you. The Word of God equips us as God's children to do what He's called us to do. May we trust Him. Amen. In Jesus' name. Lord, thank You so much this morning. So good, Lord, to be in Your presence to allow you to speak through your word to our hearts. God, I pray if there's um, anything not of you this morning, you just take that, Lord, and, and remove it, God, like the wheat from the chaff. But that my precious brothers and sisters would take away those things that have come from your heart this day. The precious removed from the vile. That we would walk in the things you're teaching us. For you tell us that you magnify your word above your own name. So amazing to consider that, Lord, the, the premium you put on your word. Because it's straight from your heart to our hearts. May we receive your implanted word with meekness this morning. Receive it with a noble heart. And just as you said, Lord Jesus, that we would bear fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, some 100, and that fruit would bring you glory. And as we're still in an attitude of prayer this morning, as, as we finish our Bible study, as our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, Maybe you've been listening this morning and, and you realize that you've never come to that place of a real and a genuine relationship with Jesus. It's not an accident you're here or listening. Jesus loves you. He demonstrated his love for you and for me by coming and dying on the cross. For your sins and my sins, he suffered, he died and was buried and rose again on the third day. And he offers right now forgiveness.
eternal life, a fresh start this day for you. Best of all, you begin walking with him in a personal relationship this day. It's the most important decision you'll ever make is concerning your eternity. And you come just as you are in response to him, to what he's done, to who he is, and to receive the free gift. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Is that you this morning? Can I pray with you? Would you raise up your hand and I'll lead you in a simple prayer as you commit your life to Jesus. You just raise up that hand. We're going to pray together this morning if that's you. Anyone at all this morning? Anyone at all? Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this amazing family that you've brought together. No other time like it in history where we see your return drawing near for your bride, for your church. Lord, may we be about your business with our hands to the plow, not looking back, but keeping our eyes, our hearts, our minds affixed upon you, Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We thank you. We love you. And it's in your name, Lord Jesus, your precious and holy name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen. All right. Hey, listen, if there's anyone here this morning that... um, uh, needs prayer. Um, usually after every service, um, after the last song, we have folks up here, pastors, leaders, and so forth, that would love to pray for you. This morning, um, we also have our elders that are here, and um, the Bible tells us if you're sick, to call for the elders um, to, to anoint you with oil, to pray for you. And so they'll be here to pray for anyone that's sick, that needs prayer as well. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may his face shine upon you in Jesus' name.